Well, good morning. It is good to be with you this morning. I'm thankful just to be able to worship with you and be together. Hey, this morning, we're going to start off uh, with prayer. Uh, Maybe you have seen in the news as of yesterday, uh, what is taking place between Israel and Palestine. Um, I don't, I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to know all the, the back uh, story of all that is taking place there. I don't. I've read a lot. I've heard a lot. Uh, but what I do know is that God is going to protect his land. And uh, right now there is people losing their lives. There are people who are kept, uh, captivity. And we need to continue to pray for peace. Same thing with Russia and Ukraine. Uh, our world uh, is always uh, combative. Our world is always at war. And so Uh, This is real, and uh, we need to be prayer and prayer for it. So let's turn to the Lord and ask his help. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, not even exactly sure what to pray, if we're going to be honest. Uh, We know that the word war comes, it means a lot. It comes with a lot of emotion, a lot of thoughts, a lot of history. And so this morning, we just ask Lord, that you would be present. We pray that you would provide a peace. Your word talks about a peace that surpasses our understanding. And truthfully, to be able to see peace in Russia or Ukraine or Palestine or Israel right now would be beyond my understanding. We ask that your mighty hand would move through these lands. We pray that you would protect lives. Father, I pray for those this morning uh, that are displaced that have lost family members that don't know where family members are. Father, we, we just pray for the people. We pray for the souls. We pray uh, that you would continue to do the work that you're doing here and across the world. Things like this make our hearts long for our eternal home. And so this morning we pray, come Lord Jesus, come. We love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Hey, these past few weeks, we've been looking at an answer of Paul's to a question about spiritual gifts. Uh, it's been a, a couple of weeks now. And truthfully, if you, I've said this a couple of weeks ago, I really do mean this and believe this. Sit down, open up 1 Corinthians and read chapter 12 all the way through the end of 14, because that'll give you the full picture of the answer of Paul's. We're, we're breaking it up into almost five weeks. And so it's a little hard to understand, maybe a little bit repetitive from week to week as we preach. We hope not. But the truth is that this is his whole question and answer uh, around the gifts of the spirit and spiritual gifts. And so today we'll continue that. But I thought I would tell you a story about my sweet little girl. Her name is Emma. Uh, she's currently 10, but at, the, at this time when the story took place, she was three. And at three years old, uh, dolls are, and like play is like the thing, okay? And so in our household, that was no different. Uh, we, at the time, uh, did not have an American Girl doll in our house because those are stinking expensive. Uh, but we had the Target brand American Girl doll, okay? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, so we have one of those up in our house. But you can't have one of those dolls, ladies, you know this. You can't have one of those dolls without accessories, and so we had to have accessories. And so we, Emma was gifted uh, this stage, the stage that had like uh, two little plants on either side, had a curtain that worked, it had a little like ballet bar on it, mirror on the back and the backdrop of it. But what it came with that she absolutely loved uh, was this mini karaoke machine that actually worked, okay? Yeah, you see where I'm going with this. If you can't see what this looks like, I'll just tell you. Uh, 
When my daughter got this and realized this itty bitty microphone, if she turned it on and spoke into this little itty bitty microphone that it would actually project her voice louder through this itty bitty speaker that she had for the next two to three weeks, that's all she did. Like, honey, what do you want for dinner? Mac and cheese, you know, like everything came through this little bitty speaker. Like she wouldn't talk to us anymore without her little itty bitty karaoke machine. And you, you think that that just happened inside of her house. It didn't. Right? We would go to restaurants uh, and they were, you know, we'd be going around to order and she'd be telling us what she, or the waiter, what she wanted through this itty bitty uh, karaoke machine. And now, uh, listen, it was cute as a door. It drove me insane. All right? I'm like, just, just talk to me, you know? Like, get that thing out of the way. But the thing was, is she, she just loved it. So everywhere she went, and it didn't help that she was three. So when she's three, you know, it's like adorable to, for somebody to do that. Except for, if, you know, it happens 24-7 for you as a parent. And it got really old really fast for us. But the thing is, is like Emma, she was given this gift, and, and all of a sudden she became the, the center of attention, right? All of a sudden she, her voice was louder, all of a sudden, she could do something. She knew that people would turn and look at her and it even gave her a little bit more bossiness. Not that she needs any more of that, okay? She gets that from her mom. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna pay for that later, uh, right? But it made her the center of attention. And, and when I think about what Paul is saying to the Corinthians and this conversation we've been in, like he's getting to this point where like you've been given gifts and you're doing the same thing that my daughter three, year old, three years old did. Like your gifts, you're using your gifts to make yourself the center of attention, to, to make yourself, make it about me, not we, right? To, to become like kind of the boss, the leader, the person that's right there always in the middle. So if you have your Bibles with you, with you open up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Because Paul wants to address specifically a couple gifts. And see, here's the thing. The danger of this, this, this answer that Paul is giving is true for you and I too. All right, there's, there's this tension. That if we have these gifts, we can use our gifts to make things about us. It would be easy for me to use the gift of teaching and make uh, things like this about me. And one of the things that I say to myself before I stand up on this stage is from my brother-in-law, uh, and he encouraged me in this uh, a long time ago. And, and it was just one sentence, and I've said it every time I get up to preach. It's one of the few things I say before I come up here. I'm a dying man preaching to dying people. This isn't about me. Right? This is about a hope that we have for eternity. It's about something far greater than us. And so if we use our gifts just for us or to make ourselves the center of attention, then we're, we're, we're wrong. We're not using them the way he called us to use them. So we're gonna pick up right where we uh, left things off last week. I'm actually gonna back up to chapter 13, verse 13 it says this, this, these three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Chapter 14, verse one, let love be your highest goal, but you should also desire the special ability the spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll only be talking to God since people won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the spirit, but it won't be, it'll be all mysterious. But the one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could all prophesy. 
For prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying so that the whole church will be strengthened. Right up top, Paul tells us, here's, here's what I want you to understand. Their gifts, the gifts that were given to the church in Corinth, their gifts were to edify, not to entertain. Now you got to see, and within the context of what he's writing, uh, there, the two of them that are the specific like gifts that are most desirable. It's speaking in tongues and prophecy. They're probably the two most vocal gifts that you, as you look at the list of spiritual gifts. And in fact, we know from later, um, next week, uh, Andrew will cover this, but like we know from later, he actually tells him at one point uh, during like your worship time, only two or three people are allowed to speak in tongues. So what we can deduct from that is that there's tons of people speaking in tongues. Everybody wanted to speak in tongues all at the same time over each other. Because why? They, they wanted the attention to be on them. It wasn't about entertainment. Paul's trying to get them to understand this is about edifying the church. It's about what's good for the church. He starts with love be your highest goal. And then he doesn't, he doesn't get mad at them or, or talk down to them for wanting the special abilities. He says, but you should also desire the special abilities the Spirit gives, especially the ability to prophesy. Paul puts prophecy uh, over speaking in tongues in this moment, but then he goes on to speak specifically about speaking in tongues. Verse two, for if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you'll be only talking to God since people won't be able to understand you. Now, here's a couple of things I need to pause for a second and say, make sure we all are on the same page. Um, number one, you know, speaking in tongues is not something we practice very regularly here at Wireware Christian Church. That's typically within charismatic churches. But what I want you to know is that we believe the word of God is 100% true. It's inerrant, it's true, it is God's word. And in it, that is lifted, listed as a spiritual gift, speaking in tongues. And so we believe in speaking in tongues. We believe that that is right and that is appropriate for this right time, being handled in the right way. I truly believe that there, that still is something that is used today by God for the church. Now, the second thing I want you to understand is the difference between these two things, okay? Prophecy and speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is man speaking to God. It is man speaking to God. Prophecy is God speaking to man. Do you understand that? So speaking in tongues is man speaking to God. Prophecy is God speaking back to man. And sometimes through men, most, most of the time through men. And so he's making this very clear. Paul wants us to understand, listen, if you're doing that, using speaking in tongues as your gift, you'll only be speaking and talking to God. Since the people around you won't be able to understand you. You'll be speaking by the power of the spirit, but it will all be mysterious. Now, I thought it'd be helpful for us this morning if we kind of dove a little bit deeper into that for a minute. And I understand some of you, you, this might be not even close to being familiar to you. You might not have been raised to understand speaking in tongues. Some of you might've come back from a charismatic background. Um, wherever you come from, what I wanna do is just take a look at scripture uh, and what it says and, and try to clarify some things around it. Uh, and so let's jump back to Acts chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, turn back with me. Acts chapter two. We all know Acts chapter one is where Jesus ascends into heaven. And Jesus had promised when he did this, that he would do what? That he would send a helper that would come back for us and help, and help us uh, here on earth. And so that... 
is exactly what takes place in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, okay? Uh, Verse 4 says this, Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Okay, so on the day of Pentecost, right, when the Holy Spirit came and fell upon the the church, just as Jesus promised it would, uh, they begin speaking in tongues. They're like, what looked like flames of fire above their heads. Like it would have been amazing to be there this day. Like I would have loved to see this take place. But the, the believers are completely surrounded by what? By unbelievers, by people who didn't know Jesus. And all of a sudden, all of them begin speaking in unknown languages, speaking in tongues. And as they're speaking in these unknown languages, they're unknown to them, but the unbelievers that are around them, they are known to them. And in fact, they come and they, they, it says that actually, it says that they begin running and they were bewildered to hear their own language. These were people from Galilee. Galilee would not have known this many languages. Anyone from Galilee would not have known this many languages, any of these languages. And here they are, they're speaking in, in a native language of people that are surrounded by that they themselves don't know. And yet those people do know it. And as they're hearing it, they're hearing them speak. And so what are they speaking about? Jump down to verse 11, because if we don't take note of this, we can get out of, we can get a little bit out of uh, hand with where this goes, okay? Uh, Okay, there's a little bit of the previous sentence, but the first full sentence in verse 11 says this. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. What are they hearing? They're hearing man speaking to God about all the things he's done in languages they don't know, but yet other people do know. So what are they doing? They're testifying to all the great things God's done. And here it is. It's as if, okay, so I'm going to, I'm, this is really weird to say. I'm going to Africa tomorrow. I still don't have that through my head, okay? I'm going to Africa tomorrow. I am packed, don't worry, but mentally I'm not in Africa yet, okay? So I'm going to Africa tomorrow. And they, they speak, obviously, another language. I do not speak Swahili. I have, I have a couple words that I can use there, but it's going to be bad because I'm also American, so they'll sound terrible, right? But as they speak, it would be as if one of them who does not speak English starts speaking English about the great things God did. And I'm like, what? You don't know English? How do you don't know English? How are you? And I'd stop and just listen to them. And they're talking about what? They're talking about all the things God has done. But this is what speaking in tongues looks like in the Bible. Like it is someone speaking in an unknown language to them about the things God's done. And it is for what? For the purpose of an unbeliever to be able to hear that. So flip with me back to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm getting a little bit out of order, but I'm gonna jump to it anyways, because I want you to see this. Verse 22 says this. So jump to verse 22 in chapter 14. So you see the speaking in his tongues is not a sign. There's a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Later, Paul makes the point, like this isn't for believers. Speaking in tongues, necessarily, it is for unbelievers. Why? Because it's a miracle. Because it's something that we can't really control or do. It's not just this 
Babel that we use, it's actually language. It's just language that God gives us that we're able to then speak that an unbeliever might be able to hear in their own native language. That's what the gift of speaking in tongues is. So then he says this, uh, go back to verse two, actually verse three. He says, but then one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them and comforts them. A person who's speaking in tongues is strengthened personally, but one who speaks a word of prophecy is strengthens the entire church. Back to the point, their gifts are to do what? They're to edify the church, not entertain the church. They're to build people up. They're, they're to do what? Strengthening others, encourage them and comfort them. It's why Paul goes on to say, I wish you could all speak in tongues, but even more, I wish you could prophesy because prophecy is greater than speaking in tongues unless someone interprets what you are saying to the whole church so that they will be strengthened. He's saying, hey, here's, there's an order to this. And in fact, I wish you would all be able to prophesy because if you'd be able to prophesy, then you'd be able to encourage and build each other up. You'd be able to do what we talked about in the last couple of weeks that he's already presented. What are our gifts for? To help each other. Our gifts are given so that we can build up the body, that we can encourage one another. That's the point Paul's trying to make to us and to the Christian, Christians in Corinth. That's a lot. That's a lot to say in one mouthful. All right, jump to verse 12. He says, this is kind of directed towards you. I didn't mean for it to be this sounds like it. And the same is true for you. Since you're so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. He wants us to to choose and to lean towards and to, to exercise the gifts in which edify the church. It's not about entertainment. It's not about me. It's not about taking your mini karaoke machine and being all cute and making things so that you're the center of attention. That's not it. In fact, one of the hardest parts of a gift of teaching is that I stand here and all of you stare at me, right? It's weird. Come up here sometime and host. There's a reason that, that sometimes we get fluttered or we stutter up here because you're all just staring at me, okay? Like, stop. It's weird. That's not, this isn't the point. That's not the point, right? The point is, is that the things that I pray, that the things that I say would be edifying, encouraging to you, that would strengthen you, build you up. That's the same thing we pray for all the people who stand on the stage and preach and teach but it easily can become about something else. That's why we need you guys to pray for our hearts. It doesn't come, become about us. It's always about God. It's always about his word. Verse 13, he continues. If they haven't got it yet, he's gonna keep driving away. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what has been said. For if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. Well, then what shall I do? I will pray in the spirit and I'll also pray in words that I understand. I will sing in the spirit and I'll also sing in words I understand. For if you praise God only in the spirit, how can those who don't understand you praise God along with you? How can they join you in giving thanks when they don't understand what you're saying? You will be giving thanks very well, but it won't strengthen the people who hear you. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. 
Paul says, again, what, how does that help? I mean, he's pointing back to how does it help for us to speak in tongues when people aren't going to understand that? In fact, I'm even encouraged uh, when he says in verse 18, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. Paul spoke in tongues. Paul acknowledged this is a gift and Paul had that gift. But we don't ever actually read about Paul speaking in tongues. We never see him actually do that. But it's as if he's speaking from a seat of authority. Like I, I do this as well. I know how to do this. But I would even rather you be able to prophesy because if you could prophesy, it would be encouraging to the whole church. He says there in verse 19, but in a church meeting, I'd rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. This past week, actually it's probably a week and a half ago now, I got to have lunch with two of our staff members, uh, DJ Barnett and Mark Sullivan, our, our pastor up at the North Campus. Now, I joined in on this lunch. This lunch was already planned because uh, there was a, a, a debt being paid uh, for this lunch. I didn't realize this when I said, hey, can I join you guys for lunch? Uh, and then when we got to um, uh, the sub place, uh, I'm gonna forget what it's called. But anyways, when we got there, we went to order and I'm like, why, you know, why are you guys having lunch? Uh, well, Paul, or excuse me, Paul, Mark, Mark professes to be prophetic in sports, Okay. So he had prophesied that uh, his home state of Ohio would beat uh, Notre Dame. That in fact did happen. And so there was a debt being paid. And as I placed my order and then Mark placed his and then DJ went, I paid for my own order. And then uh, DJ got up to pay for both he and Mark's order. The lady at the desk said, uh, and what's your name for the order? And DJ said, Salty. <laughs> I'm dead serious. That's what she called when she came out with the sandwiches. Uh, salty, <laughs> you know? <laughs> okay, let me tell you, that's not prophecy, okay? That's just overconfidence in your home state, all right? Mark is not prophetic. He's, let's just get that out of the way, right? But what prophecy is, is being able to speak a word that you feel is from God to, to man. In fact, I looked up just a definition that would help us it's a miracle of knowledge, a declaration or description or representation of something future beyond the power of human wisdom to foresee, discern, or conjecture. In fact, um, prophecy is, is this thing where God speaks to a, a, a man, and we see this all throughout the Old Testament, right? All throughout the Old Testament. We see God speaking to someone to go share this word with God's people, to share this word with a specific person, and, and when they do that, what is it? It's this wake-up call that God is, in a way, speaking directly to you. In fact, I, I would say that sometimes this happens to me and other people don't even know that they're being prophetic, right? My wife's one of them. I've told you this before. I don't like it. But when I don't listen to the Holy Spirit, what's he do? Well, I'll just use your wife. Real cute, Holy Spirit, Right? Because there's things that I'm thinking about that may be future for us that, that I don't really know the answer to. And then she'll say something to me and I'm just like, oh, that one hurts, right? Like, I'm, okay, I'm not listening. I get it. I'll pay attention now. So that, this this idea that like it's speaking in an actual language that other, everyone knows. And Paul says, I'd rather do that with five words than 10,000 unknown words. 
10,000 unknown words. Because why? Because Paul, for Paul, edification of the church, edification of the church is more important. Like that you would be encouraged, that you would be built up, that you would be spurred on to love and good deeds. Like that's more important to him than this sign that maybe is, maybe isn't going to be interpreted. In fact, he says, if you have that gift of speaking in tongues, I'd encourage you uh, to pray for the ability to, to also be able to understand what it means to interpret, to be able to interpret your own speaking in tongues. These things, they're so important for us to understand because Paul in this greater concept of this conversation wants us to understand what these signs are for. Verse 22. So you see that speaking in tongues is a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for the benefit of the believer, not unbelievers. Did you catch that? Speaking in tongues is for the unbeliever. Prophecy is for a believer. What is prophecy going to do in any good for somebody who doesn't believe in God in the first place? They don't care what he has to say. They're not going to listen. If you give a prophetic word to an unbelieving person, they don't care. We care. I care as a Christ follower. Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they'll think you're crazy. But if all of you are prophesying and unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your meeting, they'll be convicted of sin, judged by what you say. As they listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed and they will fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly here among you. You see, we never know what the power of what God puts on our hearts can do. And God puts a word on your heart. If you're supposed to encourage somebody, I felt at times led by God to tell somebody something specific. Was that a prophetic word? Maybe. Am I a prophet? No. But when I follow the Holy Spirit's leading and I speak those things into existence in other people's lives, almost always God uses that for his glory. And that's what he's calling us to do. And even when we preach those things and they can, those unbelievers can understand because it's in their own language, what does it say it'll happen? And listen, their secret thoughts will be exposed. They'll fall to their knees and worship God, declaring God is truly among you. So not only does a prophetic word have the ability to encourage you, but it has the ability to convict an unbeliever and bring them to knowledge and saving faith in Jesus. And so again, what I would encourage you in your gifts is this. Use your gift to edify the church. Use your gift to encourage others and build others up within. And use your gift to speak truth to those outside. It leads me to what I want us to do today, just to end and wrap up the sermon. Every single service, we're, we're taking a minute to pray for our one. I hope you're still doing this. I hope it's becoming more normal for your watch to go off at 141. <laughs> it's not for me at all, but I hope it is for you. I hope you're stopping and you're actually praying because what we do in here affects those people who are not yet here. Right? And we have the opportunity to speak truth into those people's lives that we're praying for that don't know Jesus. It's why we're taking one minute out of every service to be able to pray for them for a year because we long and look forward to getting to meet them. I've actually got to meet some of your ones and I just smile both on my face. I have this cheesy grin when I, when I meet them. I'm like, <laughs> you don't know what's coming, right? 
But more so in my heart, I'm just excited to meet the people that you've been praying for. Because I know that God can do far more than we could ask or imagine. I know that if they come into this room and they hear prophetic words that, that we're preaching from God's word, that it's gonna do something. It's why we're encouraging you to be praying for the one. And so I just wanna take a minute right now. We're just gonna do this in silence. I want you to be thinking about your one. If you're new and you don't have, I don't understand what this is. We're taking one minute while we're gathered to pray this during service for one person who doesn't know Jesus. And then we take one minute a day scattered when we're out in the week at 1.41, p.m. Uh, to pray for them as well. And you can join us in that. But let's take a moment right now to just pause, be quiet and pray for our one. Let's pray. Jesus, would you hear our prayers for our ones? Would you do something that we could only attest to you? And when we stand back and look at it, we would say it's because your Holy Spirit moved in mighty ways in the lives of those that we're praying for. So we lift them up to you now, Jesus, and we trust them with you in Jesus' name, amen. So as we close today, here's what I wanna encourage you with. I wanna go back to verse one. It says, let love be your highest goal. I, this passage just fits right in with what Jesus told us, right? Jesus told us in Matthew 22, verse 37 through 40, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Love your neighbors as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. I wanna encourage you this week, love Love the Lord your God. Now listen, that seems like a simple command. It's like, come on, pastor, give me something hard to do. Listen, I don't know about your neighbors, but mine are not easy to love, okay? They're just not. Whether that be my physical neighbors, whether the people sometimes that I work with or interact with on a daily basis, like they're my family, like it's just, it's not always easy. And so my ask this week is use your gifts to love God, to edify the church and love others. All right. I'm gonna close this in prayer and then I got one more thing for you and then you can have a good fall break, all right? Let's pray. God, we give you all the glory this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to learn from your word. We thank you that we get the chance just to worship here in peace. We do pray for our world and ask that you would bring about that same peace. And Father, we long for the day when you send Jesus back to restore all things to new. When we don't have to deal with war, we don't have to deal with pain, loss, suffering, Father, where there'll be no more tears. We long for that day. We look forward to that day. And until that day, would you help us by your Holy Spirit to be empowered to use our gifts to love others, 
so that we might bring as many to heaven with us as possible. Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen.